0: Good breakfast like everyone should.
1: and rose apple, jacks look I- 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 apple. Ch- ch- jack looks good. The ball in the hole needs a tasty bowl of cinnamon toasty. Apple tasty. Apple jacks. Part of this complete breakfast. Hello everybody. Welcome to the Comic Book Dungeon Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Mark, coming to you from the uh, my underground comic book dungeon.
0: And I'm your other host, Cruz, coming to you from my above-ground comic book kitchen.
1: Awesome. This is the Comic Book Dungeon podcast, where we talk about comic books, obviously. We talk about the bizarre, the weird, the esoteric, and the forgotten.
0: We talk about the weird, the wild, the esoteric, uh, comics from the 60s, 70s. Uh for more likely than not, they're going to be Marvel-related, but we divulge a little bit here and there, and we, we uh, go on wild tangents. And... Uh, generally just uh, have a good chat.
1: Yeah, I think it's enjoyable for us. I think it's enjoyable for you guys. Some of you keep tuning in, and we're hoping more of you will.
0: Yeah, tell your friends.
1: Yeah, Leave us some feedback on iTunes, because apparently, if you don't, they keep us at the bottom of that list, so it's difficult for people to find us. Also, if you want to get in on our conversation, I invite you guys to email us at uh, comic Book Dungeon Podcast at gmail.com
0: Yep, or you can hit us up on uh, Instagram at the uh, Comic Book Dungeon Podcast as well.
1: Yeah. I gotta take some pictures of the comic book dungeon and uh, give them to you, so people can uh, can be weird voyeurs and see the filth that I live in.
0: <laughs> I would upload pictures of, of where I store my collection But uh, a, a couple of the white long boxes uh, in the garage I don't think that would really count Until I, I get the, uh, the newly refurbished wolf, wolf Spider Arena going
1: Yeah, I would love to see what the Wolf Spider Deadly Arena looks like And the comic book garage
0: uh, In time, in time I, I did actually manage to start making a little forward progress on that one last weekend
1: Awesome I can't wait for it to the season to change to Wolf Spider season again, so we can get some more fun stories.
0: Yes, a more live, on-mic action of me screaming like a freaking little girl when a wolf spider crawls up my leg.
1: Yeah, we're on Amazing Adventures 26 this week, and we haven't had a wolf spider attack since Amazing Adventure number 18.
0: It, that's right, that's right, yes. I, I will say, Kill Raven and, and Ken Company are, are back up to form with this one.
1: I want to start out talking about some old business. We got a lot of emails this week. Did we? Yes, a lot of death threats to me from last episode. Really? A lot of uh, Perfect Strangers fans out there were not a fan of how we discuss Perfect Strangers. I got several death threats and one cease and desist order <laughs> from uh, TGIF Productions. <laughs> so I would like to apologize for to both Balky and Cousin Larry for implying anything improper with their relationship.
0: Don't worry. If Valky was an actual character, he'd be freaking on the no on the travel ban list and deported.
1: Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you took the punchline. <laughs> I was gonna say this was all fake because we know that Valky was deported back uh, back to Mepos. That's it. Fuck it. I'm done. Son of a- <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh shit, my wife's yelling at me. Uh, sorry, huh? She
1: should. <laughs>
0: uh, let me. Comp- <sighs> okay, composed.
1: <laughs> Man. Oh. This is how Cousin Larry felt when that asshole from Meepos just showed up on his doorstep without any warning. Yeah, yeah. But this is- We're both joking. Oh, go ahead. So you're
0: saying Larry, Larry has some uh, some things in common with Trump.
1: Well, I was going to say that we're just kidding about Belki being deported. He's white, so he's <laughs> Trump true. wouldn't have deported oh, him. Well,
0: unless he was a white Muslim. If he was a white Muslim, then he definitely would have been gone.
1: This is true. Yeah,
0: I mean, not only not only is the administration you know racially biased by skin tone, but also by religious you know preference.
1: But it's okay because this is we're we're in skill based immigration. and like we've seen, being from a certain country, like say Norway is a skill. So I'm sure being a sheep herder from mepos is a skill
0: okay, seriously. I think we all know nobody from Norway wants to come here in Norway, they refer to this as the shithole country.
1: Look at how likely you are to die, say, of gun related violence in Norway compared to America. This is definitely. In the first world, I don't think would be very many Norwegians first pick. They might come here for say business because their office is opening a branch here. But look at the gross natural or national product of Norway compared to the United States. Look at the gun deaths in Norway compared to the United States. I mean, it's just yeah, you're not going to see a lot of Norwegians move here. No, no, no
0: way, no way. They're they're definitely. You know, happier with their blondes and Scandinavian swim teams and awesome winners and lack of smog and all that shit over there.
1: I gotta say, this has been a rough start so far. We had to do a couple takes to get started and then not name any names. Somebody stepped on my balls and <laughs> <in> my punchline.
0: <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I knew. I, okay, I'm not saying. I'm not gonna say I knew where you were going with that, but once you started it, I knew. This could only be the logical conclusion.
1: <laughs> this is why my mom has harsh criticism for you.
0: I have not talked about poop once so far, except for this time. So I guess I did talk about poop once, and now that's twice.
1: I'm sure we'll circle around back to it, which is all right. <laughs> yeah.
0: Hi, Mark's mom. Poop. <laughs> <laughs>
1: not what she, she just talked about she did appreciate the length that you went to make sure that your, your puppy was comfortable pooping outside so there was, yeah, yeah. There was some positives
0: yeah, the puppy has gotten way more confident about pooping outside by herself thankfully because there's only so many times you can get into a long pair of freaking pajamas that have jackalopes and unicorns on it going outside because that's the only thing that will keep you warm don't ask don't judge
1: do they, do they sell men's clothes where you bought those? Uh, yes. If they sell men's clothes where you bought those, that is not going to be the last time I make that comment this episode, <laughs> but we will stick a pin in that and circle back around.
0: <laughs> oh, lovely, 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 lovely.
1: For those of you just joining us for the first time, I'm hoping this will not be your last time <laughs> after the first eight minutes of this episode. Before we get to the main event, as it were, we usually talk about other things that involve, say, comic books, video games.
0: The surrealness of Lex Luthor being our president in real life?
1: That it, it definitely is life imitating art?
0: No, Lex Luthor is way too smart.
1: Well, it's, it's a head injury, Lex Luthor. It's a TBI Lex Luthor with a bad toupee. Right. <laughs>
0: what if Lex Luthor was in the NFL for a complete and total career and eventually became president? Uh, am I touching a really big nerve, considering this is the eve of the Super Bowl, where I'm talking about head injuries and freaking megalomaniac multimillionaires?
1: Hey, if you're angry about any of the stuff that you've heard, the best way to get our attention is to write your criticism and attach it to a five-star review.
0: Yeah, we only look at the five-star ones. If it's four <laughs> stars or less, we just freaking toss those to the curb.
1: Or you can again email us at the comic book, or email us at comicbookdungeonpodcast at gmail
0: or direct messages at our Instagram
1: or on Twitter broken lmd like life model decoy broken lmd and we will not only read it and respond but we will most likely read this on the air so you can again be part of the the phenomenon or, as I like to call it, the Unstoppable Juggernaut, known as the Comic Book Dungeon Podcast.
0: That's right, and we will definitely give you the most personalized response possible.
1: And much like Balky, it'll be so awesome that you'll be so excited you'll do the Dance of Joy. <laughs> and again, anybody under 35 has no idea what the fuck we're talking about with the Dance of Joy. Uh, Balky, Mepos. Oh,
0: uh, Did did you ever really think that maybe that was like a a 90s version of Mork and Mindy?
1: Oh, I never thought of it that way, but I think that's... I I could see that. I think there's some truth to that.
0: Now you've got to be at least 40 to get the joke. (laughs) Oh, shit.
1: Every year I get older, I realize really how out of step I am with... Kids today and how they see culture and and life and just I know the way that I I was raised as a child and a teenager is a complete just different world than the the world it, our kids live in today.
0: Yeah, it, it is. It is definitely. I mean, it, it's 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 way more connected and everyone knows everything and have terms like ghosting and shit like that. And yeah. Anyways, stay it, off my lawn.
1: Ghosting isn't that just like a hip way that kids. The hip term that kids use for crop dusting?
0: No, no, no. It has nothing to do with flatulence. You see, you, back in our day, you know, a lot of our humor revolved around the spreading of bodily fluids and gases. Now they just do that online. So ghosting would basically be uh, no longer responding to a person's online presence anymore because that's apparently more important than talking to them in real life.
1: I don't know. It's a weird world.
0: Yeah, it is. It's a weird re- world where a teenager can freaking be a snot-nosed little shit and freaking say "cash me outside." How about that on fucking Dr. Phil and become a multimillionaire fucking rap star within months? <sighs>
1: yeah, really interested to see where social media goes because I just think as a species, it, it's such a new and novel concept, and it's so different than how communication naturally evolved between people and it's something that i don't think that we've yet really had the maturity to master no it's definitely if you look at i mean we're biological organisms and the entirety of human history we've evolved this certain way to communicate communicate our communication method has been dictated by our biological constraints and now having the system that completely short circuits that, we see how different people interact online. And there's a lot of studies on this and a lot of reasons why, but it's just something that just the way we use it and the way that it's, like you said, it for a lot of people it, it supersedes face-to-face communication. It's something that I'm hoping as a species we will start to learn to use more maturely. And we saw a lot of the downsides to this in the last election and how It can be utilized in very negative ways, not just with the fake news, but just how people victimize and bully, or use it to spread misinformation. I'm hoping we either use it more maturely, or this is something hopefully that's more of a fad, and you'll see in 20 or 25 years, people kind of laughing at the social media of today.
0: I I agree with you there, and I I think the first step is going to be getting rid of the anonymity. Everyone has online. I think tying in anything, any sort of online you present presence you have with a central centralized, authentic account that has your actual name will be the first step in getting rid of this unparalleled, uncivilized shithead behavior that you see online so pervasively today.
1: It's just there's so many things that could just kind of blow my mind with the technology we have now in social media. I don't have kids now but say if we had a kid tomorrow, like day one that entire kid's life would be documented I mean, spe- we're not big social media people, but you know, people who are big Facebook, Twitter, whatever Who those parents who take a million pictures of their kids, that kid from even before they're born, their ultrasounds are going online 99 0.999% of humanity is forgotten. It's that rare outlier who gets written in a history book whose exploits are preserved for poster- posterity. Every kid today, or the majority of kids, at least in first world countries, like I said, their information before their birth is online. Their baby pictures are online. Them throwing a tantrum at Toys R Us when they're two—it's on. Like their their parents recorded it. It's online. Oh yeah, it, like your kids. Mine, uh,
0: mine. Yeah, yeah mine are definitely. Yeah. They, they have uh, they, their online presence has been there since before they were bur- born.
1: Yeah, their great great grandkids are going to be able to see what like their what their life was like when they were four, when they were five, when they were eight. This has never happened in the history of humanity. Assuming that we have an unbroken civilization, four hundred years from now, people are going to know exactly what day-to-day life was like for for people for for us because it gets documented in ad nausea every day that's weird
0: are they are they though I, i i mean hate to interject but are they really because everything on social media done these days is done through the lens of the poster and they want to put themselves in the best light. So they're not going to give you the real truth. You know, they're not going to show you the fucking shit smeared across their walls. Or the fucking, you know, the vomit splattered shirt. Or, or, or you know, their kid being a complete little shitted toy. You know, any of that stuff. All the really negative stuff, you're not going to see. Unless it's someone that likes to use it as a woe unto me, the struggle is real. But for the most part, people post themselves and their kids in the best possible light they can to have the most positive thing to look at for posterity later on.
1: I don't disagree with that, but I think, like, you have the other people who, while you only have the best pictures of your kids, again, like, I saw the most annoying toddler at Toys R Us. I'm putting this video online because I have to document everything. People with their blogs, again, they're whenever you you report a story i think you can try to be the best reporter possible you're going to get things wrong but with the prevalence of blogs even things like this podcast future historians are not going to have to wonder very hard to want to know what our world was like we have endless tv shows movies twitter accounts facebook posts To to document what, you know, work sucked today, this is how long I was stuck in traffic, this is what food tastes like from Taco Bell. There's just I mean, endless supplies of information. So, I mean, we're really seeing in the last hundred years or so, really, like, the last, I think, wonderment for archaeologists, or wonder, just the wonder of it's gone. We're going to get these huge snapshots, more information than people ever wanted. It's kind of interesting to think about.
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely there are those people that for for good or ill we'll we'll post on some sort of social network that you know I had a bowel movement at five twenty three a m today and it was firm
1: like my my wife's ex-boyfriend every time they go out to eat every single time he would take a picture of his food and put it on his Facebook so I mean uh, yeah people yeah, a yeah, hundred years from now we're gonna know everything this this weird guy ate because it's there. They're gonna be able to see his bad diet. <laughs> like, look at what people of the 21st century ate. They had a cheeseburger. They had this bunch of meat. They you know, drank this much coffee. It's. I don't think people are cognizant of that. And I see a lot of people putting crazy... You see this all the time, like, commented on, like, say, on Raw Story or Friendly Atheist or whatnot, like some of the websites that I frequent. Somebody's grandmother putting a picture of Obama up and calling him a monkey... Or talking about how these trans bathroom bills are great because they don't count; they're not real people anyway. Your great grandkids are going to be able to go back and see you be on the wrong side of history.
0: Yeah, and, and that's that's interesting, and, and I'm I, I'm looking semi-forward to it. You know, eventually, I think it's gonna it's gonna die down. I think the Facebook it, it, and Twitter freaking mainly Facebook, I think, is the most egregious of it. Facebook and Instagram are, are going to kind of taper off, and everyone's not going to be trying to like show, the, show their social media life as some sort of pristine, idyllic thing. Everyone's going to go back to just being them, their damn selves.
1: I, I agree. I think it's likely the pendulum's going to start to swing back. It's a novelty, because this is the first time in history we've had this ability to be such narcissists. Once... Oh, yeah. Once, I mean, I think once that a abil- like, you have it, people are going to explore it and abuse it, and once it becomes known and it, the novelty of it wears off, I agree, I think it's going to swing back. Uh,
0: you, you see it more and more now, and maybe it's just a, a, different, a different mindset. I know there's a couple of people that... Uh, I know on Facebook and Instagram that, that kind of throw down like the real world shit where it's like, I, they, they they will post about their shitty dead end freaking waitressing job or some crap. And that this, this is what the struggle looks like and all this shit. But, uh, yeah, the freaking soccer mom, freaking perfect made up fucking make makeup, you know, super moms that you see online are going to be a thing of the past, probably in the next 10 years or so. I hope.
1: I, I can't wait to see the the turn that society takes with technology and some new development. Because twenty years ago, nobody had on their radar what so, the possibility of what social media would be or could become. And I can't wait to see the next curveball that technology uh, throws us.
0: Yeah, I agree. You know, yeah. Now that you mention that, yeah, absolutely. I, I think. Science fiction has been really good at, at at predicting the straight technological advances we may have in the future, but I don't think they were able to quite get the point where I, I guess culture and technology intersects. Where if we're, with the facebooks and the freaking MySpace and everything, yeah, they they predicted we'd be able to fucking talk to each other with a device that would fit in the palm of our hand, but. uh They they didn't predict the social media aspects of it.
1: I think, and I'm not an expert on social media. Like, I don't have, my Twitter account's the only thing that I intersect kind of in that sphere. So I'm definitely not an expert in this or the technology field. But I think what really gave birth to, like, the prevalence of social media, the thing that I don't think anybody saw this development, like, the turn it would take. I think it was, we had the cell phone. I think it was adding the camera to the cell phone is what really kinda of created this like the I have to take a picture of everything I eat, I have to have a million pictures of my kids. Every time you go anywhere you'll see that at any sort of event, the fourteen like or like the, the 14 people taking like videos of even the most like just mundane thing it was the technology the laptop whatever was obviously there for myspace or whatnot before that but just the ability to interface with it so completely i think it was just the the cell phone and then the camera on the cell phone
0: yeah i think part of it is that we transitioned we are transitioning more and more into an instant gratification world and we've gotten there really quickly with with cameras because I mean, I'm sure you remember back in the day we actually had to fucking go to this little hut in the middle of a parking lot to get our shit developed. You don't have to do that anymore.
1: I'm going to disagree with you a little bit because I, I hear that banting around a lot that like this current generation is such an instant gratification generation and past, past generations weren't like that. I agree that it's more available now than it was before, but I, with the invention of the telephone, where you wouldn't have to wait for a letter, or a telegram, or you wouldn't have to ride an hour to give somebody like mundane news, that was giving people instant gratification, or instant access to information, instant gratification that they never had before. I think that's always been the goal of technology, is that instant gratification, and we've seen times in history where these inventions have, have given it, or other, other inventions, or other where other people, other generations haven't had it. So I think that's it's always been there. We're just seeing kind of the an explosion of it right now.
0: Right. And, and I don't think that explosion would be possible without us switching over to a digital media with without the expense of always having to purchase film and p- pay for it to get developed. You see people just taking way more pictures now, you know, with with digital cameras. I mean, I know once I transferred, switched over to digital, I, I always had a camera with me. I'd have one thrown in the glove box of whatever vehicle I had. And I think that part has led to the visual documentation of our lifestyle since the early 2000s to be way more prevalent than it was in the past when all you had was film. That, that that's the, the the point I was shooting for.
1: Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that.
0: So now that we've discussed uh, the topic of uh, technology merging with culture and society, uh, let's see how that applies in a fictional 2019.
1: <laughs> oh, before we get started, just one one news story <laughs> I wanted to hit because we, like I said, we we usually cover this for the first few minutes of the show. Is I am a huge Star Trek fan. Like I would say. Star Trek, maybe even a little bit more than comic books. Like, i obsessed. I can't tell you how many Star Trek books, say, I, like, read a week. I go through them quite just like just like water. I, I, I love Star Trek a lot.
0: This man inhales Star Trek.
1: Yeah, I think about it. I read it. I watch it. Like, I don't watch a lot of TV, and if my TV's on, if my wife's not there, it's probably going to be an episode of, like, The Next Generation or the original series just in the background. Like, I'm a freak. I'm really obsessed. Anyway, not to drag this on, some distressing news that's going on in the world of Star Trek. It's I don't know if you ever read any Star Trek novels. We've talked about that in the past, like how you you'd said that you've had a desire to
0: Right, right. Yeah, I've not, I've not dipped my toe into that well quite yet.
1: In the in the last ten years, they've adopted a, a model more like the Star Wars universe, where they've kind of consolidated the books because so many used to come out before that would contradict each other. They've made it like kind of a one-world model since. Mo- the, until Discovery, there hadn't been a Star Trek TV show since Enterprise. So they did this thing where we we all the authors talk, we commission them. They're all telling a continuous story. That there's an unaffit like because the expanded universe is always non-canon. There's now a canon to the non-canon universe. There are no more Star Trek books coming out. There's a few more that they're finishing up in 2018, but after in the next month or two, after those release, there's no more on the schedule. What the what I have read is indicating because every several years, any time like say Marvel Comics, say with when they had Star Trek or with Dark Horse with the aliens, and we talked about this last this last uh, episode, they have to every few years, renegotiate a contract and sign it to have the licensing rights for those stories. Well, the licensing for CBS right. with uh, Pocket Books, which is a division of Simon & Schuster, was up, and apparently they are negotiating the contract, but that there's been several hiccups. Like, the head of, like, Pocket Books left, and this new guy is like, hey, I want some input on this contract, I want to read it through before the company signs it. And the pocketbooks never had the license for the, the Kelvin universe, which is like the J.J. J. Abrams movies. So right. they apparently are also negotiating with Paramount and Bad Robot to be able to do those as well. So since there's multiple companies in the mix, the everybody seems to indicate that this is eventually going to work itself out. But I know I've been worried. Discovery kind of set my mind at ease because it's put this back in the public genre. Same thing with the J.J. J. Abrams movies, but I was wondering, you know, how old I was going to be when they just stopped publishing, say, like, next generation novels. So, hopefully this works itself out, but I know they have a main core group of writers who write them, and they all say the same thing. They're like, nope, got nothing on the, uh, I have no contracts, I have nothing that I'm writing right now. Kind of sucks.
0: Yeah, yeah. Definitely, it sucks to have a series that's uh, that's locked up because of some fucking odd licensing agreement.
1: Yeah, I'm hoping that we don't have to wait long once this gets going, because like the last uh, uh, Star Trek Titan book, it's not. I wouldn't say they left it on a cliffhanger, but there was an interesting twist going on that I can't wait for them to explore. <laughs> like I'm. I could not be more involved in these books. And so there's some that I've missed over the years that I'm going back now that I always kind of go back and I read while I'm waiting for the new ones to come out. So there's plenty out there for me to read, but I'm, I don't know. I'll feel good when I hear the next book announced. Nice.
0: Well, here's hoping they do it.
1: Here's uh, the question I'm throwing out to the audience. Cause we, we haven't gotten a lot of the listener participation. Uh, I'm a huge Star Trek fan. This is always controversial when other Star Trek fans ask me who my favorite captain is and what is my favorite Star Trek. I can't remember if we've ever talked about this, but favorite captain, hands down, no question, Captain Sisko. I would say, and this is another (laughs) controversial one, another guy that's up there that I like a hell of a lot but doesn't have as much media about him is Captain Sulu with the Excelsior. But yeah, Captain Sisko is my favorite, and by far... I will argue about this till I'm blue in the face. My favorite Star Trek, I think, hands down the best Star Trek. And the one that holds up by far the best is Deep Space Nine. So my question to the audience, and I hope some of you out there are infuriated by those answers. Because, again, podcast at gmail.com. Let me know your favorite captain and your favorite series and why. I would love to get this going. But uh, I think we've done this before on the air, and I asked you what your favorite was but what is your favorite ooh
0: oh man captain wise i've got to relook at it you know i i i really do and i hate to i hate to cop out but yeah i've got to look at it i recently when, when i say recently i mean probably in the last year finished up the original series next generation and I think I'm almost done rewatching Deep Space Nine. So that basically leaves me with going back through Voyager, which from what I remember I really liked Janeway, and uh, taking a look at Enterprise, which I haven't watched at all because I heard it was a train wreck.
1: I've only watched the first episode of Enterprise. I've debated about giving it a chance. I have... I'm such a Nazi when it comes to Star Trek. I've I've been told that if you treat it like it's don't look at it to make sense with the rest of the universe. Just look at it like it's almost an alternate reality. And if you don't get bogged down so on those minute details, it's actually worth watching, even though it has the worst ending ever.
0: Right, and then, okay, so you've got that. I've seen the movies. Um, sorry, Chris Pine, Kirk, no thanks. Yeah, that that variant of the Kirk is not... It, it's just not as, as epic and as a Star Trek is worth and I haven't seen any of the Discovery uh, uh, Discovery ones yet
1: I just I don't understand why they're so afraid to move forward they did Deep Space Nine and then a few years later Voyager ended and after like post Voyager everything they did Enterprise was set I think in around 21 was it 2151, 2152 and it was all leading towards the federation being founded. Discovery is in the 2250s and then the ro like the, the robot. The movies that you mentioned, the Chris Pine movies, they all are an alternate reality that take place like in like the or around the 2260 because they all have so so I don't understand why everything has to be in the past. Why they don't do it the only yeah. thing that they've done besides the books that deal with the future is Star Trek online. I've never understand when people do prequels because you're never gonna make you're always gonna have people be unhappy you're always you're yeah. never yeah. or even if you do it perfectly say if I if I was in charge of Star Trek Enterprise say maybe I want the Kleons to have this like crazy war uh, going to war with Earth but then, uh, become friends with Earth by the end of the series. I can't really do any of those things because it would conflict with prior canon. So if from a storytelling perspective, you're handcuffing yourself before you even do the first episode, so I don't know why you would mm-hmm. do a prequel. You're So if you do take some of those creative of li- uh, license, you're always going to have people like me who are going to nitpick. So why don't you either just... yep short circuit that or do it in the future or with Enterprise, I don't understand why they just didn't say, hey we're not going to set this in the Star Trek universe but it's very similar to Star Trek if you love Star Trek, you're going to love this so all the people who didn't watch it because they're like, well this does the Andorians and Tholians don't look right this isn't how this worked. the Vulcans, this never happened you're not going to have any of those complaints
0: (laughs) Right, on that note Captain Wise I, I really like Cisco. I will say that. Cisco is cool. He's pretty much tied up with Picard as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Series-wise, I will agree with you 100%. DS9 was the best one just because it gave you a good mix of the ideals of Federation with kind of the nitty-gritty, dirty shit that went on with the rest of the universe.
1: Exactly. So,
0: yeah, that's, that's about where I stand until I watch the rest of them. And, and yeah, I grew up watching Star Trek. I love freaking Star Trek. Not as much as you do, but it was definitely a, a core element of my science fiction uh, coming of age.
1: The only thing that gets me through my day now, especially with the political climate being like it, how it is, is the fact that <laughs> it gives me hope to what humanity, could, could, what we should strive to be, what we could be. Yeah,
0: yeah. Star Trek was definitely always about uh, the the ideals of what humanity could be, not the stupidity that we are.
1: It definitely. I, I love the the period, like in the twenty two, not the twenty two, in like say twenty sixty uh, at post World War three. Like it's like twenty sixty three is where we have first contact. We have like humanity coming together. I've always kind of been inspired by that, where humanity's in the shit place, and where Really, just put ourselves in a terrible, horrible spot. And then this one event kind of puts us, just, just brings us all together, and just we all start like, we're, everything we do is for the greater good now. There's an episode of The Next Generation. I can't tell you how many. In my Netflix, I mean, I've watched this like 10 times. It's the episode where they go back to the 19th century and they meet uh, Mark Twain. And
0: Mark okay. Twain keeps
1: trying to find fault. He he ends up on the Enterprise D and he keeps talking to Counselor Troy and he keeps trying to find fault with their futuristic society and she really explains to them that, yeah, your world you keep trying to turn our world into a futuristic version of that but that's not how it is. There is no cruelty or poverty or uh, hatred. Everybody has this great quality of life. Everything we do is for the greater good. I just love how they put it and they explain how humanity has really reached this this just more evolved point, and it's especially it's great that they use Mark Twain as a a foil for that because if you know anything about Mark Twain, he was a he was a famous atheist and he was somebody who spoke out like up, up against like say slavery and racism. He was a very forward thinking individual, so to use him for a foil for that is kind of fun. <laughs>
0: So basically you're telling me it was like the equivalent of sending somebody from Hicksville, Ar- uh, Arkansas to Norway right now?
1: Well, no. You yeah, know,
0: with their government-sponsored <laughs> healthcare, and superior education system that doesn't have homework, low high high freaking gross domestic product, low unemployment. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. Okay. Anyways. <laughs>
1: Okay, so I've derailed us a few times here. Let's uh, let's get going.
0: <laughs> so we are looking at issue number 26 of Amazing Adventures. Yep. War of the War- Worlds, of course, based on the uh, novel by H.G. Uh, Wells. Indeed. Great classic. I still am always thrilled by seeing the... Uh, I- iconographic uh, tripods in the corner of the front page.
1: Yep, yeah, looks like they're um, destroying Epcot Center. E-
0: exactly. Yes. Of course. Who knew? Marvel's killing Disney. <laughs> that
1: would be quite ironic.
0: <laughs> I know. But uh, yeah, the the War of the Worlds was always a, a favorite story of mine. Yeah. But uh back to Kill Raven and his antics with his merry band of uh, free men.
1: How did you feel about this cover?
0: Okay, I have mixed feelings about this cover, man. Okay, all right. Number one, I love the damn freaking snake snake horse. I mean, we we, we talked about it a little the bit. The serpent off my, horse is awesome. I love the snake; it is so dope. <laughs> okay, so yeah, number one, that, that looks so freaking cool. Uh, number two, yeah, I, I the the cover is definitely very. Uh, you know, I hate to fall back on a word I always like to use, but it's very kinetic. Uh, you've got um. How did you pronounce his name? I went with Stun Rage.
1: Stun Rage or P Stun Rage? I wasn't sure if the P was silent.
0: Uh, I was going for silent P. I I think it. At least that's what I like to do at night.
1: <laughs> I do think it flows a little bit better. Stun Rage. Yeah. So I went. I went with Stun
0: Rage. Yeah. Stun Rage is. Uh. You know. Got his a uh, giant skiff, freaking sickle-looking thing.
1: His costume is completely different on this cover, as is his weapon. Completely different than we'll see in the issue it out.
0: Yeah and that's definitely a bone to pick Uh, you know Meshula is up front he looks like he got hurt and Carmilla is back there and again uh, I know it's you know 60s 70s whatever at no point in this issue, is Carmilla ever cowering in fear?
1: Not only is she never cowering in fear, but I mean, she succeeds in an in an endeavor here where the rest of the group failed. She's if anybody in the I mean, she's always has agency, but she's definitely she. You could say that she contributed more this issue than the rest of the group. You could make that argument. I
0: would I would say so. Yeah, she she not only did she do that, she did it in uh, under very adverse circumstances. You've got Killraven throwing one of his uh, silver slash gold stars, or whatever, which it's nice that, you know, he actually, that weapon gets a little bit of play time, which we haven't seen that often.
1: Not only does he throw it, but the effect that they use to throw it, it looks like, almost like... From Star Trek The Motion Picture, like, the warp design. So it's like this traveling light, and you see the star depicted multiple times on his journey. Yeah. And even though he misses, when it hits a rock, you see this cool explosion come out of it. So it looks really awesome.
0: Yeah, totally. So, yeah. I mean, I thought the artwork was great. You know, there was a little difference in the costume with Stun Rage. But my my biggest hiccup was the fact that they, they put Camilla Frost basically you know, cowering in fucking terror, yep. helpless. looks like
1: she's biting uh, her nails, she's so frightened. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's not any way uh maintaining her character. No, we
1: we had that complaint a couple issues ago with mid jewel up on the cover. She was very much like cowering behind Killraven, which has never happened in the issue.
0: Yeah, that's that's very atypical of any of the, the ladies in the Killravens universe that we've seen so far.
1: I have to say I agree with your criticism other than that I'm not going to say that it's a great cover but I loved it I I did like this cover like you said it's very kinetic I just it told a story the story does not really represent anything that happens in the issue It, it made me want to read it and I know if I were a kid in the 70s this definitely would have made me want to pick up the, the issue. And just a little background. This is Amazing Adventures 26. This is the September issue from 1974. I'm sorry. It says sever. It has a cover cover date of September. Sell date of May of 1974. This is issue uh, 26 with a cover price of 25 cents. And, yeah, I just... That serpent horse on the cover, it's in the center you get its forked tongue, it's got, uh, coming out, it's got fangs, it's got spikes all over it, it's blood red, it looks super cool, it looks almost demonic. And its, it's mane almost It's almost looks like flames coming off of it. It's just rendered so well. And just the throwing star, the silver star that he's throwing. The impractical sickle that Stun Rage has, where the blade actually goes further down than the... Uh, than the handle. It is completely mm-hmm. impractical, but it looks so badass. You have Bashula wounded stepping in front of Camilla Frost, he, the rage on his face, the fact that for some reason he's not wearing pants. It's just it told a story and I thought it was awesome.
0: Yeah, it, the, the cover does convey a lot. And, uh, and
1: a lot of it's not actual factual, but it
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. a, lot. a lot of it isn't it conveys a lot not all of it's inside the book but I'll tell you one thing that is inside the book and that's that that damn horse and it is 100% badass through and through it looks like something you'd expect to see on like an Iron Maiden cover or something
1: yeah it definitely looks like it was born on maybe like a an album cover or an issue of Heavy Metal
0: yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the the horse just screams metal all the way.
1: I'm disappointed that uh, with Rage's costume on the cover, what I first thought he looked like was almost like Batrock the Leaper from uh, Captain America, who I've never been a huge fan of. But the big like, uh, Wario mustache and the <laughs> costume was Wario a little mustache. similar. But yeah, I uh, thought his costume in the book was way cooler. Well, cooler as in interesting, not as in if you ever wore that, anybody would ever take you seriously, but it kind of stuck out on the page, and I thought it was kind of neat, but I will bag on it later in the issue. But yeah, it definitely, this cover made me want to see what was going on, and we have a word box here, we have a caption box, Bloodbath at Battle Creek, where a treasure of death is guarded by the startling startling stun rage, the Vigilant.
0: Mm, the vigilant. Yeah, it's not a not a word I would normally associate with a villain.
1: And after reading the uh, the issue, I'm not sure that's the way I would describe Stun Rage as the vigilant. He was vigilant, but that's not the first adjective that would jump into my mind.
0: <laughs> Verbose. <laughs> um.
1: Uh, I'm going to stick a pin in this and for me to describe him or the words that I would use stun rage the blank is going to give away a little bit of this that's actually a criticism I have of this issue I did like this issue but I think halfway through the story I I think astute readers are going to be able to figure out what this treasure is It, it did not strike me as a surprise especially being a Michigan resident and knowing Battle Creek. But hey, I don't I don't want to give it away. And maybe if you were a kid in 1974 from like California or Colorado or something, you might Well, it's not that you wouldn't know. The okay. issue drown you in exposition and just caption boxes about Battle Creek.
0: It did. It did. And I will say the the ending came as a surprise to me. I did not see the foreshadowing. you know. And I, and looking at it in hindsight, yes, the foreshadowing was there. I didn't see it coming, you know. I kind of thought about it, like towards the end, like what this treasure would be. But I was like, nah, no way. It's got to be something at least a little cooler. So yeah, but I don't know anything about Battle Creek, so it may be something that mainly the, the local of Michigan would get better than somebody from other parts of the country.
1: And I can't wait to steamroll to the end to talk about this stuff. <laughs> Another thing that I can't wait to talk about is this first fucking page.
0: First page is this shit.
1: And it's the title of this issue is Something Worth Dying For. Ooh. We open on Irving Park in Battle Creek, Michigan which I did confirm that is a park in, in Battle Creek, Michigan. This is a, a real location.
0: We get a, a giant one page splash, which looks great. Go, go on. You, you sound like you got something you want to say.
1: I lost my shit. I lost my fucking shit. With just, without even reading anything, just looking at this illustration. Because we start out with, and this is going to seem maybe familiar, that sense of deja vu. Meshula's driving the dino glider. He's piloting the dino glider. Uh And we start out with Killraven jumping out of the vehicle in midair and jumping towards an objective. This time, he's jumping on a giant spiked horse. So immediately what just jumped out to me is, this is the same way the previous issue uh, opened, and it nearly killed him. So I'm glad he didn't learn, especially last issue ended with him with his tail between his legs in defeat, thinking about, like, hey man, I gotta think things through a little bit more, so this one opens up with him doing the, the, the fucking same thing! (laughs) <laughs> Jumping 20 feet, like like in the air, j- like out of this vehicle onto whatever he wants to fight. And of course, and this thing has a foot long spike or spikes all over it. So that's it. <laughs> that's I've said my piece.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know what? When I, when I first read it, I, I, the only thing I could think was, uh, oh, well, there's Killraven jumping out of a perfectly good vehicle again.
1: This is, I, Donald Trump must have read these and internalized it, because you can tell he thinks like he's Killraven, but he acts like Killraven, but he just doesn't have, like, the intelligence or the fighting ability or the ability to, to think through a situation. But in the fact that they just react to things without thinking, and and just just jump headfirst and make the same mistake over and over again, it's they're the same person in that room.
0: Yeah, yeah. He definitely doesn't have the hair, but yeah, I mean this—he's jumping onto the serpent horse, and it, it fucking looks metal. That's all I can say, man. It's like you could hear like electric guitars just blaring in the background as he's doing this shit.
1: It's it's got like sharp teeth. Its mane looks like a super cool like two foot tall mohawk. Its tail is like four feet long and it has like a forked tail like a devil and it has spikes on it. It's blood red. Its shoulders have big spikes coming off of it. It's got a forked tongue. And the thing looks huge.
0: Have we mentioned it's got a forked tongue? It's yes. Awesome. It is huge. It is massive. It is red. It is pissed. And, and, and Kill Raven's trying to catch a ride on it.
1: Yeah, there's several more in the background. And I'd like to think that he chose the biggest, meanest one that he's going to jump on. Of course. But yeah, this thing is awesome.
0: Right. And you get some exposition on the bottom. Basically talking about how, how it's the lands pretty much returned back to nature. It's wild, and uh, these uh, mutated uh, horse, snake horses, serpent horses are uh, freakishly hellish. And uh, yeah, that's about where it ends off on this one.
1: I got so excited about making fun of Kill Raven, I uh, jumped the gun a little bit. This issue, like I said before, it's something worth dying for. It's written by Don McGregor again, as always. He's our writer. Mm-hmm. Gene Colin is the artist. Dan Atkins is the inker. P. Goldberg is the colorist. A. Kakeki is the letterer, and our esteemed editor again, as always, is Roy Thomas.
0: Yeah. So moving on, we have a uh... yes. Page two, you get a little commentary by Meshula and Old Skull about how Kilraven likes to jump out of things.
1: Yes, very astute of uh, that.
0: There's a little exposition uh, on the next panel that's giving you basically uh, a detail that Mint Julep had warned everyone that the Dyna Gliders would eventually quote-unquote, wind down. Yes. So, uh, you know, it kind of gives you a little motivation for why Killraven is jumping on the back of spiked horses. Is He's... he's probably being a halfway decent leader and trying to trying to figure out their new mode of transportation because their current one is is running out of fuel apparently.
1: Yeah, I agree that this is definitely I think this is them trying to show that Killraven is maturing a little bit. Camilla Frost got on him last issue that he never thinks, he never thinks things through. So we see Killraven here in a Killraven fashion but Still, he's thinking about the future. He's trying to come up with a, uh, a new transportation plan before the old one breaks down. So I give him credit for that.
0: Right, and uh, yeah, you know, Camilla and uh, oh, what was the other guy's name? Hawk. Yeah, Hawk. Really, really. I just caught this. Really, way to play to the stereotypes, Marvel. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, he got a bit of a redesign. And he's wearing a a headband, which I think is supposed to be a uh, 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 depict like a Native American headband. I like in the center of it; it's like a it looks like Spider Man's face.
0: Yeah, it does. That a Deadpool.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I like when they take. uh, They've done this. Several times in like the current run of Deadpool, well, they'll do like a and it like oh we ran out of time we don't have like the real issue here's one that never was published and it's like shows like they insert like Deadpool into like the seventies Deadpool in the early eighties and they've done several series and it's like oh here's him in Secret Wars like they've retroactively added him to <laughs> to like seventies and eighties Marvel so you get to see what his costume would look like then and it's it's kind of fun but uh, I do like this this third panel here. We get a call back to Hawk, whose face was damaged back in issue nineteen
0: yeah, yeah,
1: and so he's he's getting antsy about his wounds and how they ache in the mo- in the cold morning. Camille's getting a little bit sick of his self pity uh and they just talk about how they've been on this trek now that's lasted for the last two months,
0: right, but uh you yeah, know, one of his gripes is Cury even doesn't bother explaining his actions and uh yeah, he is kind of whining and being a bit of a little bitch. I
1: I I do agree that he's got a lot of self pity, but he's he's right and we talked about this last issue. There's absolutely no reason for Killraven not to talk about why they're going to Yellowstone. And we do talk about that in a little bit in this issue, but why it took two months. You're leading these people on this like this forced trek across the country and they don't know why? That's some bullshit.
0: Okay, my question is: this Is taking two months for them to get this far? Do those fucking Dyna Gliders only move at like a walking pace?
1: Yeah, I, I'm not really understanding why. Because if you guys remember back two issues to issue twenty four when they were first introduced, they were supposed to be fast transit to be used in tunnels underground, and now they're magically like flying through the air. But yeah, like, I agree with you. They seem to be... I don't know what's going, if they just keep getting blocked for some reason. But from what we're learning here, if they left Washington, and if they're trying to go to Yellowstone, I don't understand why now they're in uh, southwest Michigan.
0: Yeah, it would seem like they went a little too far north.
1: I'm wondering if they just don't have a map?
0: Or a compass.
1: Or a compass, yes. So maybe that's...
0: Or a sense of direction.
1: Like if we saw them on, <laughs> on a... Uh, on a map, they were just going, yeah, just <laughs> just ping ponging around. But yeah, it doesn't seem like this transportation is getting them very far quickly because two months is to, uh, it took it took them two months to go from Washington, then Indianapolis to now Michigan.
0: Yeah, yeah, there, yeah
1: you yeah. could walk that faster.
0: You take the scenic route.
1: Yes, apparently. Well, look at their leader. Every anytime he sees something shiny, he has to jump out of the vehicle and like go after it or wrestle it or fight it. So I could see why this would. If this is like a daily occurrence, I could see why this would take a while.
0: Yeah, that's true. He he does seem to have a rather short attention span. Uh, so yeah, um, moving on. He's uh, he, you've got like a. I don't want to call it a full page splash, it's kind of like the bottom half of two pages. And it's a really nice shot of this damn freaking snake horse, man. The serpent horse is, it almost looked like he's a—he's uh, bronco riding, you know? He's like It's like an old western where he's trying to break the freaking stallion uh, to his will. And he's hanging out for dear life as this freaking thing is trying its best to throw him.
1: We see on page six that while he's holding on, that cool spiked mane the thing has—it's actually like razor sharp, and it causes his hands to bleed. Yep. Yeah. And which makes it slick, so he he loses his grip and he falls off, and now he has to like start rolling around on the ground to avoid being trampled. It's actually super cool, and then he gets back up and again keeps trying to uh, to break this horse.
0: Yeah, so he does. He he mounts back up onto the damn thing and uh, I guess the uh, the free men have landed the Dyna Gliders and, and now they're basically commenting on uh it looks like we're going to be here for a while and uh Mishul's like, uh, "Yeah, you know, kill Raven founds An animal as stubborn as he is for the most part."
1: Is somebody playing the spoons in the background there?
0: Uh no, that's Shadow with her uh, license. Oh. She she's now officially licensed. So all her tags are on her collar and they make a nice little jingle jangle sound.
1: I'm going to choose to believe that your wife is just sitting there playing the spoons.
0: Very well. My wife is sitting there playing the spoons.
1: Ha <laughs> I have taken away your reality and instead substituted it with my own. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Talking about somebody who can apparently change reality by their force of their will, Killraven, on page 7 here, looks like that he was able to to break the, the horse and because we see it here he's sitting next to it it's tied up and it's sitting with them and they uh, it looks like they're camp for the evening
0: right yeah and uh looks like uh, Mashula's uh, standing by the tree there there's a wanted poster of Killraven so apparently he's gaining some notoriety
1: Yes, uh, I like that we get some dialogue with Old Skull and Kill Raven, and they talk about how watching Kill Raven break the horse or ride the horse reminded him of when they met at Madison Square Gardens.
0: Mm-hmm. That it- does, and uh, yeah, Old Skull remembering
1: things. In an old skull way.
0: <laughs> yes, and a lot of referring to himself in the third person,
1: <laughs> which is which is his way. Yeah, the wanted poster here. We learn that kill, it's for Kill Raven. He's wanted, dead or alive. And it says that any human bringing Kill Raven to a Martian post will be granted immunity and be free to live without fear of reprisal. Right, signed by the High Overlord so he did survive his encounter with Kilraven.
0: <laughs> yeah it doesn't show you who's speaking but I would only guess it's Meshula or, or Camilla is uh, commenting on how Killraven has become so irritating that they, they want to turn even the few remaining free humans against him
1: yeah, which is a good strategy. I mean, that is a good offer. I'm not sure how willing the Martians would be to honor it, but you would just—you could be free and not worry about the Martians hunting you or trying to kill you or enslave you. That—that uh, that, I could see why that would motivate some people. Yeah. And we they talk about that, too, a little bit later in the issue.
0: Sounds like a good deal, but at, at this point we get to a very important point where Hawk, who is, does not look like a Native American at all whatsoever and have a very Native American-sounding name, Sorry, <laughs> uh, decides he he needs to interrogate Killraven a little bit about his motivations and their destination.
1: I'm glad it only took two months.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, only two months.
1: So we finally get the reason that Killraven has taken them to Yellowstone,
0: right? Which is uh they mentioned the name Doctor
1: uh, Saunders, Doctor
0: Saunders, which Killraven recalls was the doctor that murdered his mom and you know took his brother away.
1: I had to go back to, I went back to issue 23 to where the overlord mentions that when he's hooking Killraven up to the like the psycho, what was it? Oh, the psychophonic the... panel machine. Yes.
0: It was <laughs> yeah, the psychophonic panel machine.
1: <laughs> it's like the name of like a set, like a disco band.
0: Oh, man. It's like a new age, new age freaking gr- stoner grind band.
1: But yeah, they they were they are consistent here because in issue eighteen in a, the in a flashback the keeper that Killraven fights is Doctor Raker, and he's the one who bestows Killraven with his power. Doctor Raven or Doctor Raker and a man named Saunders killed Killraven's mother, and if you recall, it was Killraven, his mother, and his infant brother. Saunders was Doctor Raker put Saunders in charge of disposing of Killraven's brother, and you see, he doesn't want that. He he agrees that the child should can't go with him, he's too young. But he uh, he was a little uncomfortable with the idea. It seemed of killing the infant.
0: Mm, okay, so I guess he, uh, he took him with, and eventually ended up at Yellowstone.
1: Well, that that's Killraven's hope that. And I think that definitely him being a child at the time didn't wasn't getting all the nuance of the the exchange. There's not a lot there when I reread it that would indicate that this Saunders would be willing to like, oh, I'm gonna like raise this kid in secret or something like that. He was basically told, "I don't care how you do it, just dispose of the child."
0: Right? Okay.
1: So yeah, it's it's Killraven's hope that that Saunders is this Doctor Saunders and that he took uh, Killraven's brother to Yellowstone. That's a lot of ifs.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's definitely uh he's reaching there. But I mean, hey, why not? He's trying to get in, trying to get back with his brother.
1: Do you think that if this was Hawk's brother they'd be still doing they would be taking on the same quest? Hell no. I'm hoping they would, but there's not a lot that Killraven showed me that they would.
0: No, Killraven's definitely a very narcissistic, self absorbed leader.
1: I'm I'm hoping he would though. He would be he would give this big speech about taking back what the Martians have given us. And we get a lot of exposition about Something inane like newspapers and Tootsie Rolls are gone, but we'll bring them back, and just, which is what the caption boxes always seem to be filled with. Mm-hmm. The caption boxes have already started talking about cereal and Tony the Tiger, so they've been very, very heavy with the. This is what we've lost. This is what's going on. This is what this place is known for. This is just. It's just they're they're very preachy and they're very heavy-handed.
0: Yeah, they are. Yeah. So moving on to, from this little bit of dialogue we, I guess we go on to that sultry scene uh, where Camilla as the only female is uh, bathing herself in a local body of water
1: it should be noted on that last panel and it's something that I actually didn't notice the first time I read it that while raven is talking about Yellowstone Park you see rifles being pointed at them in shadow there's like uh, riflemen in shadow watching them
0: I see that now good point
1: yeah, it looks like we b- <laughs> we both missed that on the first run-through. Which is weird, because it's like half the page. But yeah, since it's so subdued in color... I know, I was very heavy into the dialogue, so it, it, it bypassed me completely.
0: Yeah, and uh, I guess Killraven took so long breaking this horse that uh, Camilla decided she needed to go freaking freshen up. Because she's, in, she's nowhere on this page. Nope. So that leads me to believe that this is uh, this is both occurring sort of concurrently.
1: Can I just say that this makes Killraven an asshole? After two months, he finally tells them why they're going to Yellowstone, and he couldn't even wait until everybody in the group was there. <laughs> he waited for Camilla Frost to be gone, and then he's like, Yep, I'll tell you anything you want to know. What an asshole.
0: Yeah, maybe he still harbors some feelings of distrust towards her or something like that.
1: Or I think he's just a, se- a sexist dick.
0: Or that too, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, he's he's kind of an asshole.
0: Yeah, that's our killraven. So yeah, so cue the the soft saxophone and uh here comes the obligatory bathing scene.
1: Yeah, we get some va 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 voom here to sell the issue. <laughs> yes. I'm sure if you were like a ten year old in like nineteen seventy four, this probably was like your most read issue. <laughs> Kids, before the internet, the only way you would get porn is it was usually, say, found porn, like, my older brother gave me this. Or, hey, I found a stack of magazines in the trash, and underneath two Mads was a a couple of Playboys. So, kids didn't have access to pornography, and believe me, in the 70s and 80s, you would watch terrible movies that had stupid plots that you couldn't care less about, but you would know exactly where in the movie you would see boobs or ass or whatever, because as a child, you couldn't just log into your phone and see it anytime you wanted. Exactly. So I guarantee, even though this is some just drawings, I'm sure that there was a kid who read this issue 20 times and beat off to it.
0: Absolutely. Somewhere there's a crusty, page stuck together version of this issue. Several somewheres actually, but anyways, we digress.
1: I think it was the oh, it was the Marvel Noise podcast. I think where the guy was talking about he found uh, an old issue of the Avengers with the Incredible Hulk, and it was, I can't remember what issue it was, but it was worth a decent amount of money. But somebody had like scribbled over some of the dialogue and changed it to so uh, to make it racist. Oh god. So and I, I think it's and I don't know why because I think it, it. They talked about finding like a magazine too that somebody had beat off to. I think that's why that like it like it, it was very obvious like that like the nudity in this issue or another issue with that he found with it was I don't know something that something I, for some reason I made the the, the correlation there or the the connection I should say anyway I'm ruining the skin scene I'll I'll stop. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, she's getting done freshening up. She's about ready to start uh, clothing herself again, which means putting her skimpy top on. And she gets bushwhacked. Sorry. Uh, by uh, two rather... <laughs> I love these costumes, man. They are so fucking just goonish looking.
1: Those are some terrible headgear. But, yeah, it's orange jumpsuits with green highlights with the weird green uh, headgear that has the slender... Like, guard that goes over the nose.
0: Yeah, it's like someone was way too much of a fan of Monty Python in the quest for the Holy Grail, okay?
1: Yeah, these are terrible costumes. But again, it's... If you're going to start your own army, this is definitely... You want some terrible, demoralizing jumpsuits to get people in the spirit of it.
0: Exactly. I mean, you know, if I saw some goon wearing that shit, I would be terrified of them, because in order to wear something that stupid, you've got to be a pretty badass motherfucker.
1: These guys seem pretty indoctrinated, too, into the cause, but I think we'll get into that in a little bit. But we, uh, we learn these two guys' names, and everybody in this sh- this group has the worst name.
0: Oh, God, yes.
1: We have Wrangular and Thoropolis? <laughs>
0: Thoropolis? yeah, you know, Rangalar. I could almost like see. I mean, there is an old Nintendo game called Rygar.
1: Yes, yeah, I, did not did not bother me. It's not that difficult to say, and it's keeping in a tradition of weird names in this post-apocalyptic world. Was was when they this this cult or whatever organization these people are a part of were handing out names. Foropolist must have been the last guy in line. <laughs>
0: Maybe. <laughs> okay, I'm just so abused by my own cleverness. Uh, since since they they apparently there were some uh, cereal manufacturing plants somewhere nearby. Uh, maybe there was a post one that had some of that alphabet cereal, and they just like randomly scattered a couple letters on the ground, and that was your name.
1: I was I was, what I was hoping for when we got into how weird these people were. It, like. What One of them should have had a name like Kellogg spelled backward.
0: Uh, yeah, I did check, and check to read everybody's names backwards in case they did that, unfortunately.
1: No. The, the names don't make any more sense backward than they do forward. No. Actually, we we, we kind of jumped the gun a little bit. Because as, as Camilla Frost is bathing here, she's got Grok next to her. And we get a yes. little bit of uh, uh, information. We learn that Grok had a real name outside of Grok. That she hasn't used yet, and he has this history that it doesn't sound like he really remembers who he is and who what his history was before he is now,
0: yeah, I think okay, I, I don't know if you read like the uh, the editor section and all that shit uh, towards the end of the issue, but occasionally I, I'll dive into it
1: yeah, I do occasionally,
0: yeah, so there there is some stuff alluded to about grok in the issue and in the editor's notes at the very end that, that make me wonder how much more there is to Grok and exactly what relationship Grok has with Camilla. My my shot-in-the-dark guess is uh, I think Grok is a clone of her dad.
1: Okay. That's
0: my wild-ass guess for the future.
1: I, unfortunately, I can't guess because I looked up a lot of Wikipedia stuff before we started the series, so like kill Raven's power, I unfortunately spoiled for myself. I looked up Camilla Frost. There's the revelation we do get. We do learn more about Grok, and there is a revelation about him and who he is. So I, I that is something that will get revealed. And the budding relationship that she has with Mashula was one of those things that was kind of spoiled for me. So I unfortunately did myself a disservice. So I yeah, I'm kind of disqualified from this. But it is. It, okay. it is kind
0: so of. You're gonna have to enjoy watching this through my eyes, isn't you? Come
1: it is it. kind of cool, though, knowing where this goes. No, like seeing the little clues that they're dropping. Because since awesome. the first issue with Grok and her, they have dropped little little hints that there is something more to him.
0: Very nice. So yeah. So moving on from there, she gets she gets uh, ambushed. Um, thing one and thing two over here. Yes. All right. Uh, I, they're 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 conversing back and forth, kind of like you know, show her who's boss and and so on and so. Forth. Not in any sort of like a real like threatening manner, like no, no. It, it, no more threatening than anyone knows going to take a fucking hostage.
1: They they definitely come off a little. I wouldn't say bumbling, but they don't come off as really bloodthirsty or effective goons. They, right. They're threatening because of what who they are and what they're doing, but there's nothing overly menacing.
0: Right, and, and, and yeah, so uh, Camilla uh, uses her uh, feminine wiles by uh, th- throwing her bra on the floor and uh, distracts one, one of them and <laughs> proceeds to deliver a spinning roundhouse to the face, which yep. is awesome.
1: The explosion effect that we get whenever anybody connects with somebody else or something else in this issue, and we get a great, great onomatopoeia.
0: Yeah, that is jarka. See, see, you don't have. You're in the basement in the dungeon, so you can you can emphasize these onomatopoeias. I can't. I got to keep my voice low.
1: I think your family would appreciate knowing what sound a, a woman's barefoot makes hitting a guy in a stupid green head uh, headgear's head, and it's yes. Charka!
0: Exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, so. Uh... She drops one, the other one's... Uh,
1: oh yeah, he's out. He's out for the count.
0: Yeah, the, uh, the other guy's like, oh, you might have distracted my buddy, but yeah, I've got my eye on you. I'm watching you. You're not going to get the same drop on me. But uh, Camilla doesn't need to get the drop on him because uh, the aforementioned Grok is still nearby. And uh, he handily takes care of the other guy while ripping half of his face off. Rip With his suction awesome. cups,
1: yeah, rips half his face off that's gotta hurt you can see something like trailing from his fingers there and which I assume is just supposed to be gore and that's awesome
0: I gotta wonder okay like does he have like how much control does he have on how much suction those fingers deliver cause he can make a freaking huge killing on Dr. Pimple Popper
1: I would assume that he can choose, like, it's like a muscle, like, he can choose to grab or not grab, or any time he went to the bathroom or did anything with his groin area, it would be a real uncomfortable experience. (laughs) And, spoiler alert, yeah. Grok is uh, Camilla from the future. Come back in time to save her and the group from making a horrible mistake when they get to Chattanooga.
0: <laughs> Shut up. Oh, <laughs> uh, shit. So, yeah. Um, yeah, our next panel, we, we move back to the, the core group of Freemen. Remember, there's like four of those guys.
1: <laughs> if they, uh, they hear Camilla... Uh, yell out when she's ambushed, and this lets them know that she's in trouble. But they are also ambushed by those individuals we saw two pages back.
0: Yeah, that we we didn't see it before, but now we saw them. And yeah, they get ambushed. Yeah, a fight ensues. The uh, the horse starts going crazy, which kind of is a bit of a distraction for both parties I believe there's a little witty banter amongst the freemen you get to see kill raven get his silver star in action which is awesome
1: i think the second panel i think again we're starting to see a little bit of an evolution with kill raven cuz we've seen before anytime he comes across the like a a human collaborator his instinct is just to you know kill first and ask questions later but we get to see he he questions he's not sure cuz he says these guys look like they establish they look like normal humans. Kill Killraven, he's t- he talks about maybe going easy on them because they might be drones, programmed humans forced to obey orders of their Martian masters. So he's not out of the gate prepared to kill them, but then they, they start to, uh, we get the leader, he says, on my command, men, commence firing. So he does use lethal force here, but it, was, it wasn't his first option, it wasn't his first wish, he does it out of self-defense.
0: Right, yeah. And uh yeah, he he, nice touch on this uh third panel on this page. He throws his uh silver star, his hand you can see is clearly bandaged from uh his encounter with the serpent horse. Yes. Which is cool. Nice little detail work there. And uh yeah, they they start going to no holds barred fight where Meshula and Killraven are... Uh, do their usual battle dance where Killraven gets uh, almost overcome. Mashula does a critical shot with his freaking crossbow. <laughs> they wittily banter back and forth with each other and Killraven calls Mashula a mud brother again and the, uh, know, so on and so forth.
1: The critical shot that Mashula takes it, he shoots his bow between Killraven's legs and shoots a guy behind him. So... Uh, yeah, it, the funny kind of uh, banter they get—it's, hey, you want to watch where you point that thing? What's the matter? Don't you trust my steady eye, my sturdy arm, my prowess with a bow? Not that much. Again, it's like—it's it, like literally go—it's like a couple inches below his groin. So, so this was kind of a sensitive shot. So, I do like that we get some banter back and forth. It definitely seems like they've repaired their relationship after Kill Raven was a complete dick last issue about Camilla and him.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. They go back and forth. Kill Raven saves Mashula. Mashula saves Killraven, Hawk picks up a gun and throws it at Killraven. Yeah,
1: I thought that was interesting because we don't get a lot of good descriptions of weapons. And we like the the guy that Killraven killed with the Silver Star was the leader of this group. The weapon he dropped was an M twenty three thermal incinerator.
0: Okay. Did you catch Diana
1: coming up? I did, and it's pretty awesome. <laughs> okay, go on. <laughs> I was, this kind of pissed me off. Hawk, instead of having some agency himself and using the weapon to attack these guys, he gives it to Killraven, and he kind of challenged him. It's the, let's see you earn that reputation you, uh, of yours as a weapon master. So when Killraven picks up the weapon, you want to uh, uh, do it? You can. You can have this one.
0: I, I, I can't. I got it. Oh, that's down. right.
1: So yeah. he, he 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 grabs it, and we get a loud loud uh, loud snap. As he aims and shoots it, we get a crackle, and when it hits the guys, there's a big explosion. And it goes pop.
0: Okay. I like how well this ties in with the location and the cereal theme and everything that they're talking about in the exposition boxes. This is wonderful.
1: It's
0: it's making me giddy uh, over here.
1: Yeah, for anybody who doesn't know, Battle Creek, Michigan is famous because that's like the cereal capital of the United States. If you go to your kitchen right now, that was where your Wheaties or your Raisin Bran was boxed and made. It was Battle Creek, Michigan so that's, that's what Battle Creek is known for it's the, the serial capital of the United States
0: yeah, and they, and they definitely carry that theme throughout the issue. I mean, the over. exposition boxes tell you about it, and they they carry it on, and they they mention it over and over and over again.
1: Like a dog that shit on the floor, I had my nose rubbed in the cereal, seri- like the <laughs> the serial information, just repeatedly.
0: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, snap, crackle, pop. That's yeah, fucking great. That was
1: awesome. Uh,
0: yeah. So after after he dispatches those enemies. Who is it? Haw kind of supposes maybe this had something to do with the bounty on his head from the warrants, the, the wand posters they saw. And uh, Killraven actually does, he, he shows a little foresight, or you know, at least that he is thinking like you mentioned. You know, he, he says he finds it doubtful, but he wishes he would have had the foresight to take a prisoner.
1: I'm just going to say, why would you find that doubtful? Based off the information we had, I would definitely say, at least as readers, the logical conclusion you would draw at this point would be that they were there for the bounty. They showed you the bounty, and then on the next page, they're they're attacked... It would be a logical progression as us the reader and there's absolutely no reason for them in their world to discount why random strangers who you have no idea if they're affiliated with the martians those weren't like a collaborator like collaborators don't usually wear uniforms like that and the fact that they had an m23 which means that was like a military issued weapon not a martian weapon these would definitely be say mercenaries who were out for a bounty I don't see, it just, it would seem to be a logical conclusion to me. So I'd say, way to go, Hawk. But, no.
0: Yeah, good try. Fortunately, uh, Camilla is uh, following in the uh, footsteps of Mint Julep and out Killraven named Killraven here. She manages to catch a hostage.
1: Yeah. She actually slams him a little bit there, too. She brought up last issue that Killraven never thinks Right or never takes the time to think, so she kind of rubs his nose in a little bit. The fact that she had time to think, and that's why she thought to grab a prisoner. So I like that was nice a nice little callback to her jab last issue.
0: Right, and uh, yeah, they've got someone to inter- interrogate. Uh, moving on to the next page. It's really cool. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's it's a third of a page splash, and basically, it's it's going over how uh, Killraven and Mashul are basically playing good cop bad cop with their hostage.
1: With their hostage, Furroopolis.
0: <laughs> Just call him Foreskin.
1: Yeah, we we uh. <laughs> We got some good background here, because the captions state that they've been doing this good cop, bad cop routine since they were in the gladiatorial arenas in 2008. So they've been doing this together for 11 years.
0: Right, yeah. I mean, it definitely gives you a a good scope of the history between these two, which is uh, a lot bigger than, than you would think.
1: Yeah, and this guy that they're interrogating does not seem overly tough. Uh, When they lift him up, he's worried about nosebleeds. He definitely (laughs) comes across here as a little bit comical. He's definitely afraid of, Killraven is the bad cop, Mashula is the good cop. He definitely seems terrified of Killraven.
0: Yeah, he does. Well, I mean, I'd be terrified, too, if I saw all those wanted posters.
1: (laughs) The Silver Stars, his impulsivity. Yeah, I mean, he's not wrong to be be a little worried.
0: Yeah, so, you know, Meshula's playing good cop, Killraven's being the bad cop. Uh, this guy is very concerned, and eventually he cracks, and he tells them everything they want to know, which isn't much.
1: No. Yeah, Meshula offers that he'll put in a good word with Killraven, that... Because he, he implies that Killraven really wants to see this guy bleed, but he'll try to talk him out of it, so yeah, he... he Like you said, he spills the beans, that they're afraid that the Killraven and the Freemen here are after their treasure.
0: Ah, me treasure, which... Sounds very familiar.
1: Yes. <sighs> Again, that's another good uh, connection there, and we can. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to spoil it this close, but yeah, we're. I, I I don't think we're. Even though we're not directly spoiling it, we're not really doing a good job of keeping it a secret. But yeah, we know that this guy he's from Battle Creek, and they're worried about outsiders coming in and stealing their treasure.
0: Right? Does he drop the name of uh, Stun Rage?
1: Yes, this page, we do get Stun Rage. He mentions Stun Rage and that he's the guy who guards the treasure, like he's the the head. We don't get a lot of exposition about who he is, but we kind of pick up. Here he says, Stun Rage the Vigilant will never let you take our treasure from us. It will stay where it ever has been in Battle Creek. Right, and
0: it gets Kill Raven, I would say, thinking.
1: He's got a very, he's got a thoughtful look on his face as he's stroking his chin. Right.
0: And uh, yeah, he's maybe figuring if there's a treasure, it's worth grabbing.
1: I, I think if this was him last issue or two issues ago, he just would have like charged in there looking for conflict. But he's very thoughtful here. He just wants to go in, uh, just on horseback with Mashula, and he just wants to to meet Stunrage. Right. Yeah, his plan isn't to attack, he just wants to talk, which is a little bit different than what we've seen of Killraven before.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's slightly different. This time he gives it two strokes of the chin <laughs> and then he dives in recklessly.
1: Yeah, I I love this next page cuz it it definitely looked like he had tamed this horse a little bit, but when it comes time to 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 untether the horse, the horse is freaking out and trying to step on him. <laughs>
0: The thing I was waiting for was for at least one more good head injury before he went out. We
1: haven't had one of those in a while. He's uh he's been doing a good job of protecting his head a little bit more. Or it's just dumb luck. But yeah, this this horse was bent and not broken. Oh. We get two really cool panels here with Mashula and Camilla. She's worried about him going uh going on this uh this mission here, just the two of them. She's worried about the risk. And we get a nice callback to a few issues ago where the, she talked about she was concerned that she was le- she she was losing the ability to be soft and he he says that don't worry about that you haven't lost it at all you can still be soft cuz you see her she's got her hands on his face in kind of a a very tender way
0: yeah there's definitely a little bit of tenderness going on there which is which is nice you know yeah you go Mashula, you go so yeah our, our erstwhile heroes mount up and leave the area and uh, as they go, they call notice to uh, Somebody's been writing, Killraven was here On all the wanted posters I wonder what that's all about
1: When they mount up and, and leave there's They joke back and forth Like Killraven jokes that The rest of the group has been talking about uh, How Mashula's become quite a ladies man And that he's had it as a warrior I really took this <laughs> to be Because Killraven comes off as a little bit supportive here It, it definitely, it seems like he's trying to they're trying to repair the damage done last issue, yeah. and he's showing that he's not, because he said, "There's, there's, you've become uh, quite the ladies' man. There's nothing wrong with that." He's he's trying to walk back some of the damage he did, and yeah, they laugh, wondering who's been graffitiing the uh, the wanted posters. And again, this is a callback to two issues ago, to issue twenty four, because the when the Lincoln Memorial was destroyed, Killraven wrote, Killraven Raven was here."
0: Mm. Okay. Yeah, I forgot about that.
1: He's a bit of a narcissist.
0: <laughs> no. So yeah, so uh, they mosey on down to uh, Battle Creek and head for where they suspect the lair of uh, Stun Rage, the Vigilant is. And yeah, they're going back and forth talking about you know how the Martians have left nothing whole. And uh, Kill Raven's going on about Hawks anger issues and how Hawk's anger is personal whereas his has no such limits which kind of explains a bit about why he always is just jumping headfirst into situations he's not ready for he's got a, he's got an anger management problem i guess
1: i was surprised by this next bit of dialogue Mashula goes back to talking about the bounty and the reward and that it it makes you think cuz again but, uh, Kill Raven kind of goes back in and and to some of his old tricks and m- makes fun of Mashula a little bit, and so Mashula points out that this rewards enough to tempt anybody, and he's not tempted. But it really, you shouldn't talk the, you shouldn't talk to me the way that you are. You shouldn't. Basically, what I got out of this is you kind of need to watch how you interact with people. There's this big reward out for you. Who knows if the Martians will honor it? But you're not inspiring a lot of loyalty the way that you treat us, and it really you just need to cut that shit out,
0: yeah, yeah, that's definitely the gist of what he's saying, so and, and as they're going on with this conversation you you get those rifles pointed at them again
1: oh yeah, I mean this this behind them it's just crawling with the these henchmen pointing incinerators at them, so like the the u c they pass a couple of buildings the, on top of the roof, there's just multiple people covering them
0: yeah they're they're basically walking right into an ambush
1: they they get to where they're going they get to a warehouse and then we meet the man the myth the legend stun rage the vigilant and I love his costume here
0: yeah his costume's definitely a lot better than what was shown at the cover uh he, he it has no shirt it's kind of like uh it almost looks like suspenders almost
1: yeah he's got suspenders with his his floor length cape attached to it
0: right and his uh it looks like he's got the uh the wario mustache
1: he stole Captain America's gloves and boots,
0: yeah, I'm trying to figure out what the hell he's got going on his head, dude I mean it looks like a a bad biker helmet
1: what really surprised me if you look at the the first panel on the second row, you get a close up of his headgear, it's red and gold, and it looks like there's a little snake on top. Yeah, yeah. it's the only thing that, I, I don't know why, this guy looks like he's like the leader of the Cobra marching band, <laughs> or like he just got some of the leftover like costumes that everybody else were like, those are ridiculous, I couldn't wear those, and he's like, man, these are awesome, I just can't find the right shirt to go with it.
0: Yeah, why are they making fun of him? I mean, he's just, yeah, you know, let him do him, you know? He's, he's just trying to rock his outfit in this cold, cruel world. You know, he wasn't trying to hurt nobody. He was just chilling out.
1: He's just got to guard the treasure.
0: That's right. That's it. All he got to do is make sure no one fucks with this treasure. He's been at this shit for a minute, man. Yeah, apparently. a little slack.
1: Apparently he's been entrusted to guard this treasure for 20 years. I would have loved if they told us who entrusted him to guard the treasure. But we don't. We don't know.
0: Oh, man, we don't. I'm curious.
1: So while the outside world went insane, him and his men—they've been here guarding this treasure. And uh, sometime they don't—we don't get exactly when a mercenary armor or army came through and tried to take the treasure, and they were soundly defeated.
0: Yes, they were soundly defeated. And uh, I, at this point, I guess Stunrage earned his name, Stunrage the Vigilant. He's being very
1: vigilant. He stunned people with how ridiculous this is, and when people learned what was really going on here, they were in how much time they wasted. They were enraged. So I think that is the origin of his name.
0: Yeah, I want to see this freaking pit that he's buried everybody in because that many people have came through, and he's defended his post against so many. He's got to have at least a mass grave somewhere.
1: I like this middle panel on the bottom Because Meshula asks a very good question They come in and they're now Surrounded by all of Stun Rage's men And Meshula asks With your power, why didn't you see this coming? And even though this is a great Question, because I was wondering the same Thing, Raven again, didn't Take what Meshula said to heart On the last page, says You carry on like an old crone Meshula, what an <laughs> asshole yeah,
0: that's back to that back-and-forth banter that we, we know and love so well.
1: We, we do learn that he didn't have a vision here, and that he hasn't had one since late July.
0: Right, yeah, he's having he's a little performance anxiety in the vision department, I guess.
1: Hey, it happens to all of us.
0: So, yeah, he <laughs> he'd carry on like an old chrome machine, and uh, basically uh, he's like wondering what good a treasure is because it would only weigh him down.
1: Yes, which is I think an insightful thing for for kill raven to say he uh and again here even though he's surrounded and they're showing some hostility towards him killraven tries to make an alliance he asks for stun rage's help fighting the Martians but he re- stun rage refuses saying that guarding the treasure is the only just cause worth dying for and instead of just agreeing to disagree he now attacks killraven with his scythe which this is the weapon we saw on the cover they made a mistake instead of the blade facing down it now it has this wicked curved blade facing up
0: yeah they put the blade on the wrong way
1: yeah this is much cooler
0: yeah totally <clears throat> um, yeah so he attacks him with it kill raven uh was he, does he knock it out of his
1: hand well, yeah late in the saddle kill raven jump he can't be on a means of conveyance for more than five minutes, so he does jump straight from the horse, which is cool, onto Stun Rage, and yeah, he knocks the, the, the Sith out of his hand.
0: Right, meanwhile, is, uh in there getting some action of his own.
1: Yep, he's attacking with his crossbow.
0: Yes, he's going to town there. Uh, Killraven's trying... Where is Killraven? It looks like he's trying to come back in. Or is he just still going back and forth with fucking... Uh... Stun rage. He
1: knocks the yeah oh, so yeah. yeah so but apparently he had another crazy looking weapon he had a sickle so yeah so now he's going back and forth like dodging trying to dodge blows from the sickle but it wouldn't be an issue if Kill Raven was an issue injured so yeah stun rage does draw some blood with the sickle
0: right yeah and, and stun rage is going back and forth with a little banter of his own
1: yes. I gotta say, for once, I'm in total agreement with Killraven here who tells Stunrage to put that blade away and stop your rantings, you old fool. (laughs) (laughs) Which I agree with, because one, he congratulates Killraven for being able to knock his weapon away, but I mean, he's just very, one, he's very proud of himself and two, he's very into this holy duty he has. He's just, this whole... Thing is unnecessary for this. Is usually Killraven who overreacts. All Killraven did was come up, talk to this guy, ask to form an alliance, and instead he's ranted on about his crazy quest to protect this treasure for 20 years and how great of an, a guard he is and how awesome he is at doing this. He's a bit of a. just He's insane.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if you were manning the same post for 20 years, you'd be going a little batshit crazy too.
1: I mean, this is a guy who makes sculptures of his own out of his own shit. This guy is nuts.
0: <laughs> oh, that's disgusting. Oh, uh, that's gross. So. So yeah.
1: yeah I was going to say on. this is the second awesome kick this issue. Kill Raven and the same weirdly drawn like kind of leg design. They both looked a little rubbery, but yeah, Kill Raven kicks him in the stomach, and um.
0: He sends him flying. Yep, perfectly. onto his own Sith. Yeah, I mean. <sighs> Who saw that coming?
1: Apparently he didn't. And apparently Killraven didn't either, because he doesn't have that ability. Uh, But yeah, he impales Dunrage. This enables Killraven to get back to his serpent horse. He grabs Mashula. They ride out while the guards are firing on them. And even though he has a giant blade going through his chest, this is a tough guy. He he didn't whip her at all, gasped. Only once. He didn't whimper or yell out, so Kill Raven respects him for that. But with his giant blade sticking out of his chest, we see him, he crawls into the treasure room so he can look at it before he dies.
0: Ooh, what's in there?
1: The treasure? D- do you want to do the reveal?
0: Okay, the treasure. The treasure's basically been alluded to the whole time. It is nothing but cereal, cereal boxes. And basically all the cool little toys that will never, ever, 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 ever biodegrade that were inside the treasure boxes. And it looks like he has a full collection of them. Probably including all the freaking Happy Meal freaking McDonald's kids from from back in the day. Because I remember I collected those when I was young and they were awesome. But he's probably got all that shit. In this nice, well organized, cute little setup,
1: I do like that they actually used like real companies. We've seen Kellogg's on a couple of the the buildings going into town, like the the cereal box that's most in the foreground is a Post cereal. They didn't name specific cereals, but just like the manufacturers. And I'm choosing to believe that that's a wacky wall walker that's on the top of his head, uh, his helmet. Hmm. And, yeah. And if you were born. After 1985, I'm sure you have no idea what a wacky wall walker is for. We'll get up on the internet.
0: No, no, no. Those things are still around, man.
1: Do they still call them wacky wall walkers?
0: I don't know if they call them Wacky Wall Walkers, but, like, my kids have them. Like, you're talking about, like, those, like, gelatin-like things that you slap against the wall and they freaking, like, flop over and down. Because
1: yeah, I know I, I, I've seen similar things, like, you can buy out of, like, vending machines. You know, like, for, like you can get, like, the slappy hands and the...
0: Yeah, they come, they come in McDonald's Happy Meals and shit still. I've
1: never heard them given a name except for Wacky Wall Walkers. And I remember you could get them in, like, Rice Krispies and some other cereals. And I was like... I don't know, probably five or six at the time. I don't remember how old. I just to to, to being a, as a young child, they were the coolest thing ever, and I I was so excited to get one. But then you use it four times and you get like a bunch of hair and dirt on it, and you never works the same afterward.
0: That's right, basically. So yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's one of those freaking you know M Night Shyamalan but the twist moments that. Yeah, it did catch me off guard the first time I read it because I wasn't expecting it. But yeah, I put it together fairly quickly and was like, oh yeah, I see what they did there. Cool.
1: They are apparently officially called the Wacky Wall Walker. It's a toy molded out of a sticky elastomer. It was shaped similar to an octopus and when went thrown against the wall would walk its way down. It was a hugely popular toy in the 1980s.
0: It came in Froot Loops. I remember that. I
1: believe we got one out of a Rice Krispies box, so I think it was like the whole company. Yeah,
0: yeah. Snap, Crackle, Pop, man, man, <laughs> Rice Krispies.
1: Yeah, that was quite the awesome uh, onomatopoeia.
0: Yeah, I like I like the way they kept everything themed in here. Yeah, and it, it was definitely nice. yeah. You know, this was a, a a rather quick, concise one-shot story on Killraven's journey's west, which you know like I said I had wished a little bit more of the Washington stuff was like that, but hey, better late than re- not late than ever, right?
1: I'm hoping they explain why they're making such <laughs> shitty time.
0: The uh prevailing winds are from the west and with all the fallout from the uh, nuclear holocaust, they've gotten much stronger. And since they were flying before, they had a fight that headwind that was going directly against them, which led to them having to use more battery power than uh, anticipated.
1: I think they're just letting Old Skull and Grok navigate.
0: That could explain it, too.
1: So, I, uh, I really like this issue. I thought that the ending was a little abrupt, and we talked about that before we started recording, you and I. I think it was really good. It's just with the the B story that they have to put in the back now. This felt like they could have used a few extra pages to flesh out the main battle scene. It felt like we had a lot leading up to it, but there was only two pages dealing with his battle with Stun Rage.
0: Yeah, I, I'll, I'll have to wholeheartedly agree with you there. It was an interesting issue. I appreciate how brief it was and how well organized uh, everything else was with the uh, how they put it together and how they presented it. Uh, the story was kept pretty short. I think there was a little bit more exposition than was needed, and a yes. little more, a little more. I think the first two acts were just a little long, and the last act wasn't given its due because it, it was so, it was so interesting. I mean, plus with all the brand names and everything there, you could really do something with that. That was more likely they're not going to pull in a couple of additional viewers.
1: I'm hoping Stunrage's brother comes after Kill Raven for revenge. Hurt, mad.
0: Stun Rage and Hurt Mad.
1: <laughs> it's such a terrible name. But uh, this, this episode, or this issue, there were no Martians, and to me, it felt a little bit like a filler issue. I don't dislike fillers. I think that this was a good issue, because we got to see... What some other humans are doing who aren't directly involved with the Martians. This gives you kind of a snapshot into, or another, or a better look or a bigger look into the American landscape and what people are doing and what the daily life is like for some people, uh, for other than Kill Raven and Martian slaves. So in that regard, I thought it was very successful. A little ton in cheek.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. There. A
1: little funny, but yeah, fun.
0: Yeah, I mean it was. You know like in the middle of any like seasonal show or something they have that one episode that's like a little more lighthearted than it should be. I think this was it.
1: Yeah, I I agree and I mean it's a little ridiculous that they they worship cereal, but it's fun. I mean these guys have probably like you said, he was who knows how long he's been guarding this warehouse and I'm I'm wondering if the radiation has done something to the to, to some of these people's minds that they've been driven a little insane.
0: That are freaking eating nothing but freaking Kellogg's <laughs> Frosted Frakes for uh, ten years
1: without milk.
0: With oh god, that would drive me bad shit crazy.
1: They're milking rats. They're milking just people. They're just anything. With <laughs> <laughs> the little tweezers. <laughs> did you read the backup story?
0: I did, and it sucked.
1: Yeah, this was by. F- We've had some shitty ones, and this was, I think, by far the worst one.
0: Okay, it was so bad. Oh, yeah, okay, Uh, now I remember the twist at the end of it. It it was so bad, my brain has forcibly ejected any memory of it. I didn't remember the twist until I looked at the cover of it
1: again. I feel it's not even a good twist. You have an old-styling, say, sailing ship. It's riding this giant tidal wave, but when the wave is cresting, and instead of them, like, following the wave down. They're stuck in the air. This alien you see this alien ship kind of approach them and you see that they're surrounded by this ring of fire. Apparently these aliens were bringing one of their ships back and they live on the sun. Apparently under the fiery surface of the sun, of the sun is this planet. So the people are like, hey we don't want to live on the sun with you guys we have children, could you send us home? So they all talk about it And this whirlpool sucks them down, and when they they're at the bottom of this whirlpool, they're back in the ocean, and now they're looking at a map, and they're like, hey! Did that really happen? But they all have suntans leading you to believe, it couldn't have been a dream, this really happened.
0: Right, and uh... Yeah, the, sun, the sunburn. <laughs> I love that, like that sudden realization at the end, like, hey, we've been on the northern trade routes for this whole time, and we're all sunburned. It,
1: it felt kind of forced. It's like you just got back 10 minutes ago. Don't, it, it's hard for you to say, yes, all of us had the same hallucination, but we're still, we're still extra hot from our trip back. I mean, it's just literally, it's just, it's... It's hard to believe that they would have been able to. This was an hallucination within four minutes of them returning.
0: Yeah, I know. Well, some of these are hit and more of these are missed as we go through it.
1: Yeah, I'm not a fan of the, the backups, but what are you going to do?
0: <sighs> Who knows? So,
1: Looks like this issue, or this episode, I should say, is drawing to a close again.
0: All right, number ten. Yeah, this
1: is number 10. Who would have thought this would have lasted this long? Who would have thought that we'd have as many downloads as we have? There's actually people listening to us.
0: Ooh, keep listening. We do appreciate it.
1: We appreciate when you listen. We appreciate when you leave us reviews on iTunes.
0: We appreciate five stars.
1: Yes. Please. And... If you guys, if you have comments on the show, if you want to talk to us about Killraven, you want to talk to us about Star Trek, if you want to talk to us about co- podcasting, if you want to talk to us about battling deadly wolf spiders, whatever you want to talk to us about, comicbookdungeonpodcast at gmail.com if we haven't gotten a lot of listener feedback, I'd love to hear from you guys. Again, I could be reached at Broken LMD Life Model Decoy, like the robots from uh, Marvel Comics.
0: Right, and uh, I can be reached at uh, the Comic Book Dungeon Podcast on Instagram. You can direct message me or leave a comment on a couple of the posts.
1: And uh, I mentioned this last episode, February 23rd and 24th is the Great Lakes Comic Con, which is going to be at the Macomb Community College in Macomb County, Michigan. So if we have any local listeners, and it doesn't look like we have a lot of Michigan listeners, but hey, if you're a Michigan listener and you want to meet one of your favorite hosts from your one of your least favorite podcasts, I will be there. Or, April 6th to the 8th, I will be at C2E2 in Chicago. So again, if you want to meet up, I would prefer if you emailed me ahead of time because, again, if it's something as big as C2E2, you're probably random, not going to randomly find me, considering you don't know what I look like. So drop me an email, and we can uh, walk the con floor together, and you can talk to me about Kill Raven, or, again, anything that, that strikes your fancy.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I'm hoping you have a good time at these uh, cons and everything uh, that happen to be so much closer than than they are to me for you. Ugh.
1: If you guys would like to meet the other half of the team on march twenty third Cruz will be cutting the ribbon at the new mall in uh Deer Creek, Iowa, so
0: yeah, someone's gonna be there and be like, "Where
1: the hell's Cruz at i don't I don't think there is a deer Creek, Iowa.
0: Are you sure I don't know it if there sounds like it could be there.
1: I don't know if they're building a, if there is, I'm sure they're probably not doing a ribbon cutting ceremony at a mall there.
0: Dude, it could be like a strip mall that's only like a block long and and they would have a uh, ribbon-cutting ceremony. Yeah, yeah, you might have just set us up for failure.
1: What Cruz really likes is if you can track him down with the minimal information that, uh, that he's given you. So if you could meet him, say, in front of his children's school or if you're just sitting underneath his car or, say, naked in his bathroom, anything like that he would appreciate.
0: Yeah, preferably naked in my bathroom, okay? Yeah, definitely the better way to go. My bathroom, not my kid's bathroom, mine.
1: Do your kids have their own bathroom?
0: That's the only way I could keep the remnants of my sanity. Okay, kids, kids make a mess. And there's nothing they're messier at than cleaning themselves. Okay, I mean, there's nothing but dried toothpaste, badly washed toothbrushes. Okay, look. I am by no means a neat freak, okay? I do do have some uh, obsessive-compulsive personality traits, and my bigger stick- sticking points are definitely, like, making sure you clean your shit when you're done with it. So, like, when there is toothpaste caked so badly onto a toothbrush that has not and it's clearly not been demonstrably rinsed out, I start like raging out. So I'd rather they do all that shit in their own little bathroom. So I don't have to witness it and fucking go partially fucking crazy every time I see it and start yelling at my children.
1: I think my wife would love to talk to you about this topic because I can't tell you how many times I get yelled at because there's some spots of pee on the floor. Yeah,
0: you know, see that's the thing. That's that's I can understand that, and 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 believe me, I mean you you only live with one female. I live with fucking five of them. Yeah, you would think uh, uh, females wouldn't be able to get pee on the floor. Bullshit, they do it all the time.
1: That's super weird. I know why I get pee on the floor because a man's urethra is not like a like a laser. It's they, I mean, there's been scientific studies about how the moisture starts to... It's not a steady stream. It breaks after, like, six inches. So, I mean, it's just... It's an imprecise hose. So, so you just... If you live with yeah. a man, you just... You have to live with just yeah. a little pea bean on the ground. But I guess it's just because it's not just in the bathroom. It's just in the kitchen, our bedroom, the ceiling. Uh, well. No, I'm... I, 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 that,
0: you you need to stop marking your territory that way. You've been having you've been hanging out with too many dogs.
1: So that is not factual. I don't have my pee in my kitchen. That was that was me being facetious. So just so we know, <laughs> so don't talk to me about that if you see me at the pecan, Like, why do you pee in your kitchen? Fuck you.
0: Yeah, yeah, but uh, I mean, I could talk about piss all day, dude. I, I, I mean, the way I find pee in the weirdest spots, like they have gravity. Females have gravity-defying urine. Like it, 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 it splashes. I guess maybe it's because they're so close to the water. I mean some of these some of these kids and sometimes my wife just has like the pressure of a fucking fire hose when they urinate. So it hits the water so hard it, it splashes back up to the bottom of the toilet seat. I don't know, man. It's weird. I can handle that.
1: We're on some weird draft. Hey,
0: yeah, we well, I mean, you know, your mom said we need to stop talking about poop, so I'm just moving on to urine, okay?
1: Again, if you want to talk to us about urine, email us at <laughs> comicbookdungeonpodcast at gmail dot com. This was a good show. We uh, it was a bit scattershot shot here or there. I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. It was. It was we were definitely a little scattered, but I, I think I think we kept each other on task fairly well enough.
1: Yep. So this is Mark reminding everybody that with how aware we're trying to be now with sexual harassment and sexual assault just want to remind everybody of the issue of the avengers where miss marvel was basically brainwashed and then raped and how the avengers uh dealt with that was they let her go off and live with her rapist in another dimension and never thought about it again that's so fucked a different writer came back and she confronted them later with the, like, gee, do you really think that was a good idea? When I was clearly, like, being mind-controlled and just letting me, like, go off with the rapist with a, have fun! So, they did confront it, like, at, like five years later, but it wasn't, like, until she said something, no one was like, hey, maybe we did wrong by Carol. They are like, nope! She's an adult, she made the decision, we saved the day, and just, like, just dusted their hands off.
0: Oh, lovely. Well, until yeah. next
1: time. Nice job, Hawkeye.
0: Until next time, guys. Uh, keep turning those pages.
1: Yes. Yes. And watch out for teammates who are mind-controlled. <laughs> you have to help them in those situations and not just, hey, I'm sure that rapist is a nice guy. They'll work it out. <laughs> have a good one.
0: All right, everyone, bye.
1: Yes. Oh, man. Yeah, that- That that's an issue that gets picked on a lot because of how just insane it is.
0: Oh man, that sounds wild.
1: And it's it's not even like from like the sixties or some shit. I mean it's the early eighties, but I mean still it's just it's ridiculous.
0: That makes absolutely perfect sense. Holy shit.
1: You don't even get me on the start of the episode where or the issue where Hank or Hank Pym just punched Wasp in the face.
0: Oh (sighs) jeez. Yeah, Marvel's definitely done some interesting stuff with their women.
1: Yeah, I love the 60s stuff where, like, everybody's, like, freaking out the Fantastic Four. Like, we're not going to survive this mission. We're not going to survive this mission. And then Sue Storm comes out. She's like, Reed, I got a new haircut. And he's like, what the hell are you talking about? We're about to die. Like, get out of my face. What are you doing? And she's like, I had no idea. Do you want some coffee? We're
0: <laughs> still recording this. This would be great outtake shit.
1: <laughs> I agree. We are still recording. Oh, this. awesome, dude. Awesome. To prove that this metal O is harmless, I will personally eat one. See, there's nothing. GOD oh! GO! Uh, yeah! Oh, boy! This thing is shredding my insides! A uh, crusty. That wasn't the metal one. That was a regular crustio. It's poison. Chorgha!